Here's Charlene Steinkamp. What can I do? I want you to know that your spouse has been tempted by the devil, by the enemy, by Satan, because our Lord Jesus Christ has paid the price. We do not have to give in to the temptations of the devil. Your spouse does not have to live by torment and live in sin for the rest of their life. There are things that we can do. In Matthew 16, verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And that is a warning for you. That is a sign that the closest friend A man of God, a woman of God could say to you, you can't do this. You're crazy to keep standing. Why are you putting up with this adultery and the lying and all that's going on? Why are you doing this? God has spoken to you. He's given you signs and and over and over burdened your heart for this man or woman of God that has fallen into sin whether they know the Lord or whether they don't know the Lord. It is one of the children of God. Jesus said to Peter, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. He was talking in his flesh. He didn't want Jesus to suffer. He didn't want him to die on the cross. Your family and friends and pastor and church people don't want you to suffer. They don't want you to go through this trial and tribulation. They don't want to have to see you suffer because they don't want to go through the same thing either. And they don't want to have to go down this road. Let me tell you, you need to think about that you are doing the things of God. You are doing the plan because in verse 24 it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then, and then he will reward each person according to to what he has done. I don't want on judgment day. Charlene, if you had listened to me and done what I had told you, let me show you what you could have accomplished. Da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden he says, no, but because you chose to do it your way, look, and it's like night and day. There's God's way or your way. The Lord is saying, deny yourself and pick up the cross and follow me. He's not telling you you may not have to go through some hard roads. He's not telling you that the cross is not going to be difficult some days, but he says, my yoke is easy. 
He's saying, my grace is going to be sufficient. He's saying, trust me, believe in me. In fact, let's go to Proverbs 3. This is a simple scripture that everybody knows, and hopefully by heart, or we'll get there. Verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And that means all. All means all. That means not part of your heart. You can't be double-minded. You need to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Every way, he's saying, I want you to put me first. Acknowledge me. And he will make your path straight. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. You know what? In the natural, we could think how we could solve every one of our problems. We can figure out and plan and we're good people and we're successful in our careers. So we could do this. We can make a success of how we're going to do everything. Because you all are successful people in whatever career you've chosen. So you can accomplish doing this. But the Lord says, I want you to trust me with your heart. I want you not to do it on your own understanding. I don't want you to give me your input. He says, I want you to acknowledge me and I will make your way straight. I will turn the crooked road straight. It says in 16, to pick up your cross. He says, I want you to follow me. I want you to say, I'm going to believe in my Lord Jesus Christ. How many are going to be praying for other people besides your family? I pray right now that you will even maybe think of three people or four people, maybe even five people that you know in the society of where you work, in the group, in the realm, in the circle, that you work and play and go to church of three to five people that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe besides your family, and start praying for their salvation. See what God does. God wants to use you, but we're so selfish that all we care about is my marriage, my family, and my happiness. And I don't care about my best friend or their family or whatever else is going on or how many people at church that are going to hell because their spouses are not going to church. And I don't even ask them where their spouse is because if their spouse isn't at church every week, there's probably a reason why they're not, as you well know. And we need to be burdened about praying for them. You don't need to know the garbage. You don't need to know the circumstances. You need to put in your prayer book, I hope you have one, their name so you can mark on your answer to prayers, saved, and a date. So you can start praying for someone else. Jesus Christ was sent down to save his people from their sins. Sin is the greatest enemy that the devil is using to destroy everyone's soul and life and those who turn to jesus are going to be set free we are free in christ jesus christ is going to set our spouses free from the guilt and the shame that they have right now let's go to john 8 do we really believe that jesus saves we believe the ones that come to church that they will be saved but we need to believe that our Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for my spouse's sins, for my children's sins, and that he can go and touch them. John 8, 31. To the Jews who have believed, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth 
will set you free. Do we believe that? Some of you don't believe in the power of your Lord God for you and your family, but I need you to remember two people tonight that we can talk about. Saul. Saul had a life-changing experience. Saul was as bad as your spouse or worse. He was killing people. He was after the Christians. They were hiding to be not found by Saul because Saul was out to destroy the Christian church. He hated the Christians. Everybody heard, do not get near. If Saul was after them with the Roman soldiers, they went the opposite direction. But God, and that's what you got to remember, but God can do anything. Nothing is too hard for him. In Acts 26, Paul had already been touched by the Lord in Acts chapter 9. You can go there. But Acts chapter 9 talks about the Damascus Road experience. And you need to pray. What can you do tonight? Your spouse has fallen into adultery. They've fallen into sin. They've been tempted by the devil. You can pray for your spouse to have a Damascus Road experience. Saul was headed to go kill Christians. And he got stopped by the Lord God Almighty, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Acts 9, 3. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Now mind you, Saul was killing Christians, but who did he say he was persecuting? He was persecuting Jesus. You know what? You're suffering and hurting and going through all the pain, but you're suffering for Christ's sake. And if you will do it for Christ's sake and turn the other cheek, go the extra mile and accept the persecution and the insults, Jesus said he will bless you and your rewards will be in heaven. You will get more crowns because of this. You're going to be blessed for the persecution you're going through right now. And that is what we've got to get back to knowing the red in the Bible. We need to get back to where we know the scriptures that when the devil comes against you and you may go through a trial or a tribulation, you're going to rejoice that you're going through these trials and tribulations, that it's building character and giving you hope and perseverance. You need to know the word so that when the devil hits you with something, you can go get your Bible and look up the scripture and say, devil, this is this is what the scripture is. And you can quote it back and defeat the devil and he has to leave. What can you do? You need to know the word of God, quote the word of God so the devil will have to leave you in the name of Jesus. You have the power within you the Lord has given you the authority. And it says, I am Jesus who you're persecuting. And the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. But in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision. And he said, Ananias, yes, Lord, he said. The Lord said, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. 
In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And Ananias answered him, Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, and are you willing to pick up your cross and stand up and be obedient to what the Lord tells you to do? Because here's Ananias saying, Lord, go give me another assignment. That's what he's saying. I don't want to do this, Lord. This is too hard. Lord, I'm going to die. He's going to kill us all. This is what you don't understand. You can read this chapter now and not be scared. But what if you were Ananias and had to go see Saul and you knew what his plan has been? The Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Your spouse needs a Damascus Road experience. Your spouse needs to be a Saul and he'll turn into a Paul. My husband and I are no different than Saul. God spoke to me and he said he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Blessed is she who believes that what the Lord said will be accomplished. I want to tell you I've been there. I've cried. I've laid on the floor. I can't do it anymore. Lord, this is too hard. There's too many circumstances. And I had to repent and repent and repent and confess my sins because you are sinning as much as your spouse is. Your behavior, your attitude is not anymore like Jesus. You need to act and live like Jesus. And we need to be different. We don't want to be different. We want to have the holy anger that Jesus wants us to have. Well, Jesus doesn't want you to have righteous anger. He wants you to forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them over and over and over again. He wants you to forgive them and ask repentance every day for your shortcomings, for you losing your temper, for your hopelessness, for your double-mindedness, for your lack of faith, for your fear. Quit looking at your spouse and look at your own sin and say, Lord, make me to be the man and woman of God that I'm supposed to be. Quit worrying about your spouse at some time and ask the Lord to change me. Make me into the instrument that you want me. Okay, if Bob never comes home, Lord, use me. Use me that I can save marriages. I can help other people. Lord, use me. Whatever way, Lord, may I be able to share to one woman, five women, whatever you want me to do, God. But never let me ever give up on my marriage like I did. That was my prayer. That was my prayer 18 years ago. Never believing 
never imagining that the Lord would say, I hear those prayers, and I'm going to use you in ways that I would never, ever believe. I am a nobody people. I'm a child of a king that has nothing but a high school education, that is writing daily devotionals, that is pleading with men and women around the world to not give up on their spouse because Jesus has a bigger and better plan than we can ever begin to imagine. That is because Saul was touched by the Holy Spirit and touched by Jesus, and I was touched by Jesus. You need to be touched by Jesus. And when God tells you what you need to do, you need to stay on that road, regardless of the mountains that you're going to see, because that mountain that you see is going to move when the Lord gets you to the mountain. When you have to get right there, it's going to disappear because the Lord's going to take you through the mountain or around the mountain. He is never going to leave you or forsake you. He will never abandon you. He will never reject you. He is all you need. And we forget that. Acts 26 is one of my scriptures the Lord gave me so many years ago. And it says, I will rescue and that is what you're praying for. You're praying that your spouse is going to be rescued from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes. You want your spouse's eyes and ears to be open. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Saul was the one that was coming against Jesus, but Jesus saw his evilness, but he also saw God's plan, and God touched him, changed him, and moved on him, and used Paul in the most awesome ways in building churches, and he died for his Lord Jesus Christ. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price for restoration of marriage? Not only for your marriage, but for your children, your grandchildren, and the generations to come. I know the Lord asked me, was I willing to pay the price? Even if it meant death. And I knew that I had said, whatever it takes, Lord, to get my husband right, to get my children to heaven, Whatever it takes, Lord, I'll do whatever it takes. You know, it's funny when you talk to moms, the moms will do anything for their children. Well, you know what the Lord is saying? He put me first, spouse second, children third. And I was upside down on all of it. I didn't do one, I did two. I was just all upside down because I put my career before my spouse and my children and my God. So, I mean, I was really messed up. But the Lord took me and straightened everything out. There are so many awesome scriptures that we need to know. I don't know if you've read the book of Ezekiel, but if you haven't, you might, because it's an awesome book. But Ezekiel 18, verse 30, says, Repent, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Whoa, that's the one I want. That's one you can pray right there for your spouse. And for you and for your children, your mom and dad. Rid yourself 
And this is talking to me and you, not just to our spouses. See, you got to take the beam, you know, that log that says it's in your own eye. You need to take it out of your eye so that you can see. And you need to quit pointing the fingers at your spouse. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Ask the Lord to rid you and your husband and your children of all the offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. See, what can I do? We need to pray the word of God with our spouse's name in it. We need to know to put the armor of God on. We need to know. We need to pray scriptures that are prayers in Ephesians 1, 16 through 20. Ephesians 3, 16 through 20. You need to go to Colossians 1, 9 to 14. You need to know these scriptures and these prayers. You need to know that you need to put a hedge of protection around your spouse and your family and your children. You need to know that you need to put a wall of fire. You need to know to put the armor of God on. You need to know that you need to fast and pray to break strongholds. You need to know how to fight spiritual battle. What can you do? You can do all these things. We need to remember David. David was a man after God's own heart, but David fell into temptation. He committed adultery. He committed murder, and the Lord touched him. He waited for a year for David to confess and repent, and he never did. So finally, he sent Nathan, and this is in Second Samuel. He sent Nathan to go to him and confront him. So I want to tell you, there are a lot of men and women that have stories and testimony. God does speak to them. He gives you warnings and he gives warnings and sooner or later, he's going to confront your spouse and you with your sins. Every week we get to share testimonies of praise reports on our Charlene Kears Saturday praises. We need to have a holy reverential fear of God for ourselves, for disobedience and not standing. And we need to pray that our spouses will have a reverential fear. Our children will have a reverential fear of God. There is consequences to sin. It is not only spiritual death, but will end up in hell. There is consequences. So my question to you is, are you willing to pay the price God does speak, but we have to be willing to do the part that Jesus has assigned us to do. In closing, I'm going to ask you a question. Has the Lord asked you to do something that you may not want to do? Is the Lord asking you to stand for your marriage forever and you're giving him a time limit? Do you and I not need to be more concerned about our spouses going to hell than our own pleasures of life? If your spouse's life was dependent upon you praying and standing forever, would you be willing to do that? Did you not say in your wedding vows, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part? See, I believe we said that with such love and in such innocence we did not even begin to think we would have problems. But some of you had problems the very first year. And some of you had problems in the third to fifth year. 
and some of you made it a little bit longer. But I'm saying to you, you made a vow and a covenant. It's not a contract that you can say, whoops, I changed my mind. She doesn't want me. I don't want her. No, that's not what God said. It's a covenant, a vow for life. And so I am challenging you tonight. Your spouse was tempted. They fell into sin. What can you do? You can stand in the gap. You can pray and pray and pray. And you can know the word of God. You can believe in the word of God. And you can stand on the promises of God. You can believe in the power of your Lord God. And believe that your Lord God can speak to your spouse as he spoke to Saul on the Damascus Road. Nothing, nothing is too hard. I'm going to close with Ezekiel 36, verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. And you will be careful to keep my laws. Let's skip down to verse 33. This is what the sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, on the day I cleanse your spouse from all their sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say this land was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. It's another promise from God. Your spouse has been tempted by the devil. Are you going to stand in the gap? What can you do? You can never, never give up on your spouse. Lord Jesus, we just praise you. We worship you. We adore you. There's so many scriptures that we've run out of time. But Lord, I just pray. Oh, God, speak to these people. Speak to your children. That they will know your plan and your purpose for them. That they will never, never give up on their spouse. Yes, their spouse has fallen into sin. Yes, their children have become disobedient and rebellious. But our Lord God can do anything. Nothing, nothing is too hard. Nothing is impossible. And Lord, I pray that you will touch this person that is listening to this teaching. And you would touch them and anoint them and give them power from on high. Faith from on high. Remove the spirit of fear and doubt and unbelief and touch them that they will walk in victory and believe in the power of their Lord Jesus Christ, that they will know that they know that you're going to touch their spouse. Like you touched Saul, you're going to touch their spouse. Like you touched David and had him repent and still used him mightily, you're going to still use these men and women in the future. Lord, nothing is too hard. If you use Bob and I, you're going to use other men and women around the world to have a revival of restoring and rebuilding our marriages on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. There are many, many people in all facts of life all around the world that have assignments of special ministries that you have started to plan and create and water the seed 
of what is going to happen in the future. And Lord, I pray that you will just never let these people give up, that they will wait for their seeds to bear fruit. And we'll just give you the praise and the glory that you're going to heal and restore their spouse, their marriage, and rebuild their relationships. You're going to reignite the love and you're going to restore their family and their children and build everything on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you that you can do this and we'll give you the praise and the glory for every marriage that is restored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. You've been listening to Charlene Steinkamp. You can write the Steinkamps at P.O. Box 10548, Papano Beach, Florida, 33061. The Steinkamps also invite you to visit their website at rejoiceministries.org.